Hi, I'm Greg Schaefer, and welcome to the Virtual CISO Moment. Jason Martang joins us. He is the AVP Field CISO for Pantera. Jay, thank you so much for joining us today. Greg, thanks so much for having me. Such an honor. Oh, I appreciate that. Um, I love your setup there, by the way. The 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 sound baffle and good sounding microphone. You know, uh, uh, microphone is always the best. Good one to have is always the best thing. Um, sometimes people tell me that I have an excellent face for radio. I don't know, but that's just the way it is. I have to use that joke every now and then, right? Yeah, it, it makes sense, and I appreciate it. Yeah, it's uh, you got to get the the good word out there, right, to all your listeners. So quality. Absolutely. Well, and starting on that good word, would like to hear about your path and also when you get to the um to where you're at today also i don't know how many people uh, know what a field CISO is so definitely when you get to that point i want to talk about that a little bit more but how did you get started in this wonderful world of cyber yeah it's been about 14 almost 15 years um i grew up um always as a kind of a nerdy computer kid um meaning I was always into computers and technology and math and science. I ended up going to college, Hofstra University in New York. If you couldn't hear from my accent, I'm a New Yorker. So <laughs> uh, I live in Los Angeles now, but yeah. And uh, ended up majoring in uh, computer science and then ended up working for um, a very uh, large insurance company in the New York area right after school. And I always had an inclination to get into security. Security was always uh, interesting to me, mainly because as a kid, uh, my buddy in high school ended up sending me a phishing email. Unbeknownst to him, he was infected with something, sent me a phishing email. I thought it was him. I opened up the link and kaput went my computer, right? Um, and ever since then, I was enamored with like, how does this stuff work? And why would people do that? And and all of that. So while I was uh, after after college on my first job, I had the opportunity to start working in the cyber, uh, cybersecurity realm as a sales engineer. And I've been doing that for about 14 years working in um, the New York City area, the Mid-Atlantic area, and then the West Coast, and working with many different technologies, mainly blue team defensive technologies, so multi-factor authentication, SIM, DLP, data loss prevention, endpoint detection response, network detection response, uh, then moved over to identity and did a little bit of privilege account management, and then ultimately finally had this really cool opportunity to get to the um, the other side of security, right? The red teaming side, the attacker's mindset, the offensive side of security, uh, and joined Pantera at the end of 2020. Um, and since then, um, gradually was working with the sales engineering team. I led the team there uh, and then recently stepped into this field CISO role. And, and my role here really is now doing this, having important conversations about risk, ri uh, risk mitigation, what has been successful in different industry verticals because we all live in our own silos our, our own niches whether it's oh well i'm in healthcare and i'm in retail or i'm in manufacturing and yeah there are absolutely differences when it comes to the industry verticals but the common goal of wanting to mitigate that risk and the threats that are out there are are the same right we all are facing the same thing i don't think if you ask anybody what they, are they afraid of ransomware? They're not going to say no. Of course, they're going to mm -hmm. say yes, right? It's it's agnostic. So this role really is, of course, to to help build community amongst uh, CISOs and security practitioners in general, while at the same time um, advocating and explaining how the, the the methods that I've seen in my my tenure in the in the realm of security, what has worked, what has not worked, and of course uh, how Pentera could potentially help all of our customers as well. 
So uh, do you, as field CISO, uh, being an evangelist for security, do you do you uh, go out and like give presentations, say to um, um, like local ISACA, ISSA chapter meetings, or do you go also to prospects and talk about uh, risk uh, management, or do you go to conferences and talk there to folks or kind of a combination of all three? The answer is yes. <laughs> um, naturally, right, with me making this more of my day-to-day full-time, I want to get very much more involved uh, with the local communities. I sack ISSA. Um, I'm, a- I'm an active present member of ISC Squared as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I want to do a lot more of that because that's where a lot of the good conversations are happening in person, face-to-face. And um, i much rather meet face-to-face to be quite honest um it's just i think it, there's, you have more effective conversations that way and and, and ideas and, and light bulbs go off um and at the same time i'm i'm still uh, very much at conferences and still very much working with with our clients and customers because that's where my passion lies as well right it, it, it lies uh with, with with helping folks it's funny because uh i mentioned long ago if, if this is kind of like security is like two things it's, it's like insurance it's almost like medicine too you have to figure out what the what the issue is and then prescribe a solution. And uh, luckily, or maybe unluckily, uh, in the realm of cybersecurity, there are so many solutions out there. Finding the right one and finding a strategy that works is not always black and white. There's a lot of gray and there's a lot of, well, it depends based on your business. Well, and I think that one of the things you said about being in person is so important. You know, we went through, we all lived through the COVID phase and, and God willing, we're never going to have to do something like that again. I mean, we learned a lot though, and, and certainly changed the way in some ways how people work forever. But one of the things I think a lot of people learned is that in-person networking and face-to-face contact really is so much more important than just uh, over, over this. And in talking about the chapter meetings, I was, um, just recently at, at an Asaka meeting, I, I've been a part of ISSA and ISC squared for years, but I just never joined Asaka until recently. I don't know why; I just never got around to it. But anyway, was at an Asaka meeting, and so yeah, the, kind of the same format where uh, a professional uh, came up that not so much of a sales talk per se, but yes, they do have a solution. But really dug in. This particular one was about reverse engineering malware. Um, but it's a perfect world. You're, you've got the face-to-face with the person there. You're all talking security. You're networking with your peers that are local, which is so important. Um, and I just, I guess I never realized the term. I've heard the term field CISO before, and I never, never really knew exactly what it was. So, and if it, if I was the only one that didn't know what it was, then shame on me, but I'm kind of hoping that maybe other people didn't know the term that well either. So I'm glad that you explained that. And I, I'm sure that with all the exposure that you have, that um, certainly you you come across a lot of different situations, um, including most likely small and mid-sized businesses. A lot of times, some of the threats they deal with are the same or similar as larger organizations. Sometimes they're a little bit different. What would you say right now, just from your point of view, are, are a couple of the major threats to small and mid-sized businesses from a cybersecurity or an infosec standpoint today? Yeah, if we're talking about threats, the one that always keeps that would keep me awake is just ransomware because Mm -hmm. it could be so damaging to a new business or or a business that is looking or still trying to get established or is just hitting the stride right where things are starting to really pick up and i think that i think we would all agree the challenge with with um smaller businesses is that you're you're a lot of times operating with whatever you can make work whether it's you have 
maybe one person in security. Maybe you have, maybe you're blessed to have a little bit more, but we know security is difficult and it's, it requires a lot of not only expertise, but time and there's challenges. And so, yes, I could easily just say ransomware. Right. But at the same time, I think it, it is coupled with the fact that businesses and security practitioners also need to understand that that's just the the means to the end and if i'm a threat actor and my objective is to you know lock you out and then charge you a million bitcoin or whatever there are a series of things and steps that i need to take before i can actually hit that button and identifying those steps as well as the threat actors potentially meaning Am I at risk of just crossing the perimeter, someone crossing the perimeter and taking that data and selling it to somebody else? It's identifying those risks and mitigating them earlier on. That is, I think, the biggest challenge, either due to uh, you know, lack of um, talent, uh, lack of funds, or just not knowing what you don't know, the unknown unknowns, right? The, the things that you just have not identified and go, oh my gosh, I didn't even think about that. Now their threat actors are leveraging that. That is what I've seen be... The biggest challenge which is why i'm such an advocate in general for security validation right it's what we do here at pantera is validating security controls and, and and enabling anybody right our customers and clients to think like the attacker and actually hack themselves right go hack yourself right it, it's something that we've kind of turned we've coined here uh, amongst ourselves and uh, it's really empowering because when you look through the lens of the attacker you can perceive risk from that perspective and then mitigate it accordingly. Okay. You used a very interesting term there. You said validate security controls. Um, I, I am guessing that you don't mean like a traditional auditor coming in and doing like a SOC 2 audit or something like that. You mean doing some sort of testing in a way. Uh, what, what are you actually testing? What are you validating? And, and, and how does that process work? Yeah. So typically this was done through uh, penetration testing. Okay. Mm -hmm. And and it's still, it's still done that way. Uh, but the challenge that comes along with that is if you're not, if you, again, don't have the, the luxury or the, if you're not blessed enough to have the talent in house and, or the funds, you're going to a third party to do that, uh, which means you have to engage someone. Um, you don't know, uh, it will be maybe a two week engagement. So of course it costs money, it costs time. And then you have to give these these folks a little bit of time to actually generate a report now you have this report of okay we did uh, a pen test at the end of january well think about the di the the dynamic nature of the environment the environment's always changing mm -hmm. so if i onboard new identities or i onboard new technology or i change my policies my, my 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 processes or my policies that could fundamentally change my risk posture so what was once done a month ago may be different and, and probably is different. So the continuous nature of security validation is advocating for the fact that you need to run these tests and these assessments continuously, whatever the appetite is, to get a pulse on, are we okay, are we okay? So for example, um, I implemented a, uh, I just brought or purchased an EDR tool, cool. Do I know it's working? And if I'm using a managed third-party service to respond to alerts, what is their SLA? Do we know they're going to, what kind of information are they going to give me? I don't want to wait for an attack for that to happen. So what we do here is we allow our customers to actually run um, automated penetration tests in a safe manner um, to, for example, say, all right, I want to attack uh, this workstation over here. And I want to see if I uh, you know, exploit 
this machine, is there information that's present that would allow lateral movement into other machines or in a worse scenario, lateral movement or vertical movement into a different tier of an asset to a server or into the cloud or wherever. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that's what I advocate for because until you're actually testing like the attackers actually would, you don't know if the security and all the efforts that you've put in, if it's actually working right. I mean, think about this way, right? You back up information. You need to test those backups and restore those backups. Yeah. Why would you not do the same thing with your security controls and all the investments and time and effort you put in? Now, when you say continuous, you literally mean continuous that um, Pantera will will have uh, your service, if you will, will be will be constantly looking into the environment. And if something changes, that's a major threat, then you can identify it as opposed to a point in time pen test, something like that. Right. Exactly. So here, here's a real life example. So um, we go in and we offer, you know, proof of values, proof of concepts, whatever you want to call it. It's essentially like, hey, te take the technology for a test drive before you buy it. So we go in and we never know what we're going to see. Every environment's different. It's kind of a roll of the dice. It makes, you know, the, the engineer's jobs pretty, pretty fun. So we bring in our software, we plug it in, and then we run, say, give us, all, you know, a, a range of IPs and let's take a test. And there have been multiple things that we found. We found areas where um, EDR was just not rolled out on machines because someone changed a gold image and it was conflicting with the agent. So the agent never started and they had no idea. All of a sudden, Pantera's out there dropping payloads and exploiting machines and taking credentials moving laterally. How'd this all start? Well, because you know AV wasn't on there. We've also seen situations where that has happened, but AV was present, but the policies were in monitor mode. So you have mm. technology, but it's not implemented in the right way because of a policy. So it's, it's, remember, it's not black or white. There's a lot of gray area. And it's these misconfigurations in conjunction and combined with potential vulnerabilities, et cetera, that make this challenge so hard. But it's exactly what attackers are going to take control of and start manipulating to start moving around the environment. So we want all of our customers to be proactive with security, start thinking like the attacker. And that's where if you've if you're familiar with this new uh, the new exposure management strategy, that's what this is all about is really just making sure that you're continually testing, continually drilling to make sure that all the things you've had in place are actually working correctly. I'm going to uh, make another analogy, and I know um, you'll, you'll probably appreciate this, at least from the physical health standpoint. Um, I, uh, at some point in time, I realized that I had developed what they call preatrial contractions, PACs. It's a fairly common thing, particularly as you get older. It's really not an issue, except for that um, it can lead to AFib, and AFib can uh -huh become something it increases the risk of stroke and for those who, who don't know the psc basically is a is an ectopic beat or an external beat of the upper chambers of the heart it's an extra beat so it's just like and then the heart resets it, it feels like a little flutter it's not a big deal but one of the cool things about these little things that we wear on our wrists they can monitor your heart stuff and so um at one point in time last year uh i received an AFib alert, first and only one I ever got. And it, I was able, because of that, I was able to identify what the triggers were for that the, the, the day before. I had already had an idea, you know, uh, um, uh, not getting enough sleep, not hydrating, alcohol, that sort of thing. Um, but that continuous monitoring brought to light something which wasn't really a critical issue at the time, but could be. As opposed to like you go to a doctor, which would be like a once a year pen test. You go to the doctor, you take an EKG, oh, everything looks fine. 
but you're not continuously monitoring here. Same thing with the health of your network. It's like in the health of your infrastructure. If you're able to continually monitoring, am I going down the right path? Is is that the concept that we're talking about here? Yeah, it, it, that's exactly right. It's funny that you mention it. I don't, I don't wear a smartwatch. I'm a I just I just like regular traditional old school type of watches. But the same thing happened to my father where. He was wearing his smartwatch and it started to beep or whatever. It turns out, oh, yeah, he's a fib, right? Now, your analogy is very interesting because you brought up, hey, I have this condition, but this condition could lead to a fib, which could, right? And it's the same thing. There are, there are variables in the environment that when combined together can lead to massive exposure. And mm -hmm. that's exactly – so to answer your question, yes, you are correct – and it's the the identification of those things as they either arise or just to make sure and say, no, we're still good. We're still good. Look, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Mm -hmm. That's the bottom line. And that's what I'm advocating for and a lot of others folks who who, who advocate for continuous security validation. That's what our, our aim and our goal is. And I think another analogy, because I happen to be just on an analogy kick, I guess, um, you know, I always like to ask the question, well, why does an airplane crash? And somebody will come back and joke because, you know, it hit the ground. It's like, OK, I get that. But what are the causes beforehand? And sometimes someone will say, well, you know, the engine lost power um, and so it crashed. Well, yeah, that's why it crashed, but not why. What happened beforehand? Well, the engine lost power because they ran out of fuel because they were in a hurry to get home and they didn't want to stop and pick up gas and they encountered some headwinds on the way, those sorts of things. The point that I'm making is that usually also with a breach, there's not like some magical thing. It's like all of a sudden somebody comes in, it's like, boom, hey, I got the keys to the kingdom. No, it's a one after another, after another, after another. So the more that you can have um, I, I am a huge fan of, of, of getting as much intel and being actionable on it um, uh, to prevent something from happening or at least understanding the environment. Because if you understand the environment and understand the as is the baseline, then you have a much better way of, of being able to indicate when something else has gone wrong. Yeah, I thought you were I thought you were going to get philosophical on me and talk about determinism and cause and effect. But it <laughs> that's where you were going. I was like, oh, yeah, we can go down a rat hole here. Right. Or rather, no, we only got about but, 25 uh, minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I completely agree. And, and I think that, um, again, by by being proactive and, and looking for things earlier before they start. Right. Is, is a great way to mitigate risk downstream or down the intrusion kill chain, however you want to call it. Um, but in order to do that, you need to do the testing. And, and again, cause enough. in order to do that, you might need to have the talent or you might need to have the funds in order to do that, et cetera. So um, why I advocate and why I love working where I work here at Pantera is that this is something completely new, right? This isn't like you're, you're a firewall or an EDR. Never before have, have, have security practitioners had the ability to have automated software that will run you know, penetration tests and, and, and move lateral in the infrastructure that, that never really existed before. And, uh, and now we do, and now we do have that. And, uh, we've had, we've helped a lot of customers. We have over like 800 customers worldwide at this point. Mm. Um, so it's, it's been, um, it's been very interesting in the last, I've been here for three years. It's been very interesting to be part of this journey and, and watch, you know, as, as the, the word gets out. Right. And, and it starts to spread. Well, one of the features, if you will, about being in cyber, and, and I think it's probably true in just about any any job related within cyber, some more so than others, but it can be a pretty stressful field because you always seem to be climbing uphill and fighting a battle against folks you can't see, that sort of stuff. Never and heard. there's such a 
problem with um, burnout, mental health issues and cyber and all of that. And I'm a huge advocate that folks need to get away um, from the stresses, do something. I mean, even like, like even a short term thing, like right before doing this podcast, I went out and walked around the building for about 15 minutes up and downstairs and this and that, just to at least get the blood flow and going to all that. Of course, that's not really a big hobby. Well, it is kind of a hobby, but that's another story. Um, but what's one of the things you do to, to, to get away from the stresses of, of cyber and decompress? I do many things. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, um, uh, you know, it, it meaning, so my, my biggest outlet is just the physical fitness of things. So um, I train pretty heavily in the gym. Um, you know, the pole bodybuilding uh, hobbies is, is there. So I'm in the gym and when I'm when I'm not traveling. Right. And that's a whole separate issue. Right. When I'm not traveling, I, I try and be in the gym at least six days a week. At the same time, I also do cardio four to five times a week. I picked up spin class about six months ago. It's insane. <laughs> um, it's really, really, yeah. Yeah. really, really hard. But at this at the same time, because there's music and choreography, it actually makes things um, a lot easier from a time perspective because you're distracted and, and there's you're just in a place too where everyone's got the same goal, which is really great. Um, mm -hmm. So shout out to Grit Cycle uh, here in Southern California. And uh, I also am a martial artist. I'm a Wing Chun practitioner. Oh. So I use that to also um, just make sure that I'm what i'm ready i'm ready to, to defend myself and again i grew up in new york i live in la so i mean um and you can't tell on, on your video but i'm not a big guy either i'm i'm a short guy right so i think it's 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 important though and it's relevant to to the topic of security because again um i train uh self-defense to make sure that i'm ready in case i ever get attacked at this so what do we do well we practice and then we drill we have to run through those drills so i know if i'm fighting someone who's 5'10 versus someone who's 5'6 there's a difference and it's the same thing right if i'm testing my network continuously i'm ready i'm always ready i'm always ready so anyway to answer your question i i, I take the physical fitness very seriously um the health and nutrition very seriously and then uh the martial arts well. And and traveling is not an excuse for not being able to keep up with some sort of a physical fitness routine, correct? Correct. So now it's it's funny because I think especially in 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 this role, I'll be traveling a lot more, getting around not only the United States but um, different parts of the globe. And um, if you've been on the road or in hotel gyms, you probably know that they're not great. They're not going to have the equipment that a full fledged gym that you would have, you know, you know, a commercial gym would have. So, um, I'm actually in the process of figuring out what is a good calisthenics routine, whether it's even doing some of the martial arts ex exercises that I do that I can keep up while I'm on the road. I can do that. I can either maybe try and run. I hate running. Uh, to keep up with the cardio, uh, and also just do like pull-ups, push-ups, uh, jump squats, and all of that stuff to keep up with the the physical fitness while I'm on the road. If I don't have access to a great gym, so and and sometimes like also being in an office environment too, you you tend to. Uh, at least me. It's just like I find myself working late. It's like, oh, I didn't get a chance to go to the gym. But this gives me the opportunity to to I, I I'm not paid to do this, but to to just show um, something that I picked up that I absolutely love. You may have heard of these things. This is the uh, Max Pro. And it's basically a cable machine. It's concentric only, not eccentric. Ah. Um, but it's like 10 pounds. And uh, the, it, you can also get a bench too, which I have back here. But basically, long story short, um, you can do a whole bunch of um, uh, exercises with it. It, it kind of fills in 
some holes in my fitness plan. And uh, I, I definitely, for anybody who's watching this, if you're looking for something for the office uh, or to travel, because you can put it in a bag or whatever. Like I said, it's only like 10 pounds. But the thing is, I mean, this is solid. We're not talking about bands. I'm a big fan of bands too. I mean, bands, they, they have, their, they have yeah. their place. But this thing is, it's not cheap, but it's one of those things which which is worth every every bang for the buck, I would say. And so now, Max Pro, you owe me a commission. So, <laughs> <laughs> so no, what are your future great. plans um, going forward? Yeah, future plans. Um, so going forward from here now in, the, in this role, I want to really get back into the community um, of not only just security practitioners, but of course, Pantera's community as well, because there are... For example, the the successes that we're seeing in um, in Europe, right? I don't know if they're making the way its way over into America, and that and that's what I mean by by community is that there's so many things we can learn from each other that now I'm going to go out and try and find those stories and then just advocate and spread those stories and those wins to to everybody. Uh, and naturally, right, I'm I'm here to support the company in, in however uh, whatever facet. Um, we're really excited to be growing the way we are. And um, I think that in the next, if I were to make a prediction, in the next two year, two to three years, security validation, exposure management is going to come to the forefront because putting up defenses is just not enough. You have to validate. You don't assume. You can't assume it. You can't assume that my risk is X. You need to verify and validate those metrics and that's going to happen more and more almost up to the point where i think it'll start to it'll start to proliferate and it'll become a thing and say yeah this is how we're validating this is how we're validating we are seeing it already in in large organizations um by large i mean um you know from a security maturity perspective right if you have again if you have all the funds and you're you're able to do that it's absolutely something that's part of the program but i think we'll start to see that prioritize more and more so my plans are just be part of that journey, make sure that I can help advise customers as they go along on their journey. Um, and of course, spread the good word just about security validation everywhere. That's awesome. Well, keep fighting the good fight. This has been an awesome conversation. Loved getting a chance to meet you, talk to you. Could have like, there are several topics we could have spider deal off into. And uh, sometimes I got to pull myself out of the fire because I, I just love moving down those paths. So I get it. But hey, Jay, thank you so much for taking the time to join us this morning. Really appreciate it. Great. Thanks for the opportunity. Really appreciate it. And everybody stay secure.